you know, here we are in our, all of us in our separate dwellings, wherever we are, and we're from all over the place, from Scotland, from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, from all over New York. And yet we have something in common. And um, it never gets old to repeat that Ananda, who is the Buddha's beloved attendant and disciple, once asked him, he was also the Buddha's cousin, so he was family in a sense. He said, Buddha, noble friends are half the path, aren't they? That's half of why we come. And the Buddha said, no, Ananda, noble friends are the whole of the path. They're the whole path. And, and what does this mean? It means that we're here seeking the company of others whether we know it or not, not not for a social reason, but to know that something is possible and that we share this with others. We share this possibility. And it's not something that we have to rack our brains to think about, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's something that we're invited to feel. It's our attitude in a sense. It's our attitude. And that might sound like such a funny way to put it. But we're here because this practice that we engage in together and that we will in a little while do is an attitude of shifting from looking outside all the time, searching for some kind of verification or certainty or approval to looking inside, looking inside. And I, I right shortly before I locked down, I saw a cartoon in the New Yorker, which is often the place I turn to for wisdom, the cartoons. And it had a mother standing in a bedroom doorway of an adolescent Maybe some of you can remember what that's like. And, and the, the kid on the bed is saying, big deal, you were in labor for 19 hours. I'm sure it was no picnic for me either. And, and I really could feel that because it's that feeling that you're, there's something in us that wants to make the point that we are suffering or that we have sacrificed. And we want to let people know what we've carried or what we continue to carry. Please, would somebody meet? Could somebody please meet me here in the suffering? And then there's a shift that occurs moment by moment as we practice. That, that has to do with turning within. And I'm not going to look for the quote because it's so disruptive, but one of my favorite quotes from, from Carl Jung, where he said, those who look outward dream. Those who look inward wake up. Those who look outside dream 
dream and those who look inward wake up. And it seems so counterintuitive because we think of dreaming as is turning within. But in actual practice, when we when we sit together, when we pool presence and and do this thing that we're doing, we're we're shifting an attitude towards seeing what arises. We're not seeking to suppress or deny. We're seeking to bring a kind of spaciousness and allowing to what arises with the aim to understand, to see. So that if aversion arises, our conditioning makes us really want to push it away. I don't want to feel this. Or I want to fix this. I want it to turn into something better. Don't we? We're constantly doing that, even in the name of practice. But but this is a practice of granting this generous spaciousness, letting aversion be present, and noticing our resistance to it. I don't want to feel like this. I don't like this. I want to feel something else, something better. And just noticing that feeling in the body, that resistance. And notice that seeing itself begins to soften us. So, Pema Chodron, who's been around for a while, and I invoke her name because many people trust her as a teacher, said to be fully alive and fully human and completely awake is to be continuously thrown out of the nest, continuously unsettled to feel continuously. The other week, I quoted Dogen, the great Zen sage, who said, to be a Zen master is to make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. To be in a state of continuous mistake. Isn't that a relief? To feel that it's not you who are in the state of feeling unbalanced and screwing up and you pull yourself together just enough to show up on screen. But that this is how it feels to be human. And that the aim of practice is to bring a spaciousness to that. Just that. An attention that sees without insisting that it be otherwise. That we can be just like this. Just like this. And just before we sit, I want to suggest that one thing you can do when you're sitting just now, we'll sit for about 30 minutes, is to... <clears throat> 
first of all, make your aim to find your posture. Some of you sit beautifully on cushions with legs crossed. Some of you do better in a chair. I'm sitting in a chair. But make your aim for this whole sitting and the exchange we have after to find a posture of ease for yourself, ease and comfort with what is. And let that be a very serious intention so that every single thing that comes up for you, it could be restlessness, it could be boredom, this is boring, I thought it would be more fun, there is no story, I'm not happy, whatever is coming up for you tonight, what would it be like if you had complete ease with that? A sense that it was completely allowed to be exactly like this and let the focus be on that attention and not what comes up. So let's sit together and then, then we'll talk. So we take a comfortable seat and notice what allows you to feel at ease and also alert. What would it be like to be relaxed and easy? And also attentive. And don't think about it. Just invite yourself to sense it, to experiment with sensing. And let your eyes close. Sometimes people don't feel easy that way, so let them avert on the floor and be soft. But if you can, let your eyes close. And feel what it's like to be here right now. Without thinking about it, just take in an impression of how it feels to be here. Knowing that you're sitting with others, known and unknown to you. People who are just like you in their wish to wake up, to open. And let everything happen to you exactly as it's happening. Notice thinking knowing that it's completely natural to think. Noticing sensations in the body and impressions of all kinds. 
letting everything happen. And noticing that you can bring the attention home to the sensation of being present in a body. It can be helpful to find and anchor the sensation of the feet on the floor. or the sensation in the hands, or the rhythm of the breath, or the sensation of the body as a whole. Just picking one for the duration of the sitting. Noticing how it feels to come home to the vibrancy of the body, the life in the body. And see that when you get lost, when you drift into thinking or dreaming, you can notice this with no judgment and gently return to the sensation of being present in a body. And notice that as you settle, as you make this movement of return to the body, you also open. Open to a presence that sees without judging.
beginning to remember sati, the word for mindfulness means to remember the present, to remember the experience of being here. Notice that you can come home to the body anytime and be accepted just like this. Notice that when you sink into sensation, you find an attention that isn't just thinking. That sees. Senses. Beginning to remember how big we are, how vibrant, 
how resonant with life, open to it. Responsive, even as we sit here quietly. Noticing that you can rest in the stillness, this presence that sees without judging, that receives you. Notice that when you come home to sensation, you're not cut off, but open. And supported by a presence that sees.
And notice that when we make this movement of coming home to sensation and allowing, opening, we feel a sense of belonging, being part of life. not separate from it. And see that when you get lost in thought, you know how to come home to life, back to the body, back to sensation, back to the light of an attention that isn't thinking, that sees. Notice that you can rest in sensation. Allowing yourself to open.
And notice how it feels to be attentive, not just with the head, but with the body. With the feelings. To allow ourselves to be present. to be seen. is how it feels to be completely acceptable, just like this. Noticing how it feels to rest in presence. To be completely acceptable. Whatever is present. completely worthy of being seen and understood and loved.
thank you for your practice. And I'm very interested, we'll all be interested if you have questions or observations. We'd love to hear them. interesting when the Buddha taught this practice he kept it so simple and he encouraged people to to let the body be known in the body and the feelings and the feeling and the thinking and the thinking and what it means it can sound so obscure or mysterious and it's really something so direct to just let yourself sink into sensation and know an attention that isn't just thinking. The attention in the body, the attention of sensation, of the feeling that arises from sensation. And that just that, this simple action can begin to open us to a greater world, to a, an attention that, well, it's Hanukkah, the miracle of light. And it can feel just like that to go from thinking and this story of an isolated and struggling self and then to drop into the body and sometimes just for a moment, remember that we're part of this greater life and that we're made to be, literally, to open, to receive, this help that's constantly being offered to us. And Kathy talked about sitting outside today because it was so pretty out. And we all know that feeling of just basking for a moment and smelling fresh air and feeling the warmth of the sun. And this practice is just like that of remembering that Buddha would call it peaceful abiding, that we can come home, come home to sensation and let ourselves bask in the light of an attention that isn't completely up to my thinking and the struggling self.
And it's touching to know that even if maybe you don't quite buy that for yourself or you're not up to it today, it's that just by coming here, by having the little bit of daring or the little bit of energy it takes to lock on, there's something in you that's honoring a wish that you might not even know, you not, might not even have words for. That's, that's part of something else. A greater community. And the Buddha would talk about taking refuge. And that's such a wonderful way to put it, to take refuge in the teachings, to take refuge in the community, the Sangha. To take refuge in the Buddha or the teacher. That it's not so much, it's not effortful in the way that we usually think of it. It's not so much will as willingness to put yourself in these conditions and, and let yourself be touched. Let yourself remember just for a moment that it's possible, as Dokin said, to experience your life as mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, but just for a moment to feel an ease or an opening in the midst of that mistake. This tiny little moment of a spaciousness you didn't know was possible. That this can be seen, this resistance, this aversion, this sorrow, this can be seen somehow from another place. And that seeing is also you. Harley. Yeah, Tracy, when you talk about um when you talk about mistakes and and I and I love that concept of of looking outward, one dreams and going inward, one awakes. Um, it just seems like in my life that the quality, well, I do continually <laughs> seem to make mistakes, no matter what I do. But the mistakes I make when I when I look outward are mistakes that seem to be caught up with my desire of things, wanting things to go a certain way. And, and 
continual disappointment with those things. And perhaps when I look inward and mistakes are made based upon that, there seems to be a different kind of a mistake that takes place. There's to be one more of acceptance. And uh, I was just wondering if maybe you could just concept on, uh, or just comment on perhaps that kind of correlation there um, between the two. Is that sort of well, it? I'm not sure that um, it's exactly the same, but the way I understand the quote is, Typically, I try to control reality. I'm looking outward. And I mean, we're all conditioned to do this. We can't help it. A friend of mine and I used to have a game for a short period that we called Everything Was Going So Well Until. And it would be range from small things like I ordered the wrong thing for lunch and everything was going so well until I ate that to large things. Everything was going so well until I had that accident. So there's this constant, the Buddha would call it delusion, but it's we're driven to control reality. And when we look within, we, we see, we kind of see what's what, that we're doing that. And so something happens and you order the wrong lunch or the, the car comes out of nowhere. And suddenly we see that we've been living in illusion and driven by it. And so the looking within is seeing that we really don't have control. We don't. Jack Cornfield used to love to say, relax, nothing's under control. Mark Twain said, the disaster we're preparing for is never the right one. Have you noticed that? Like you're fretting and, and preparing for all kinds of things and then the damnedest thing happens, like a global pandemic. Who saw that coming? You know, so, and this is how we live, and our energy is pouring out. And so the practice is about seeing that. That's what the Buddha would call, he would boil it down to three roots. Delusion, which is that, that we can control. Um, or aversion, and we know a lot about aversion in all its different flavors. And um, greed or desire, I want this, I want this to stay. I want things to be just right and they won't stay still. And that the practice is really about seeing that and, and seeing our resistance to seeing it. And not just from our heads alone, but to let the center of gravity of our seeing descend into the body and opening to a more global or complete awareness. Does that make sense? And somehow when we begin to see Harley, we begin to, 
to glimpse another way of being that I could live my life going from lamppost to lamppost to lamppost, as the Buddha put it. I think a lot of people have put it going lamppost to lamppost. I think Agil Doctorow said that too, but it's the same, it's the same point that we can be guided by the light of our own wish to be more fully present moment by moment, rather than being driven by a wish to have external reality correspond to what we think we want. Does that make sense? Totally, totally, yes. Because the inherent difference is that when I look outward, there's constant scheming and, and, and that's it. Because there's this belief when I do that, that I can control external events. And I'm never really present to what's actually taking place. And when I, when I, when I look inward, um, it's just this, it's, it's more just responding to what's exactly that, what's taking place in the present moment and, and moving on that and connecting. And, and I don't know how things are gonna turn out. I really, I really don't. Um, you know, I try to look at things and for example, the greatest good that I could possibly do. And I think that comes from looking within. What can I do in the moment? What can, how can I serve and all of that? But oftentimes, invariably, there's, there's still conflicts that arise. And yeah. no matter what, mistakes are still made. Um, you know, I still have a daughter that's not talking to me from Thanksgiving because I chose Her word is my bond about being with uh, my nephew during the time of COVID and not doing things a certain way, things like that. But it happens and mind still continually questions those things. But I, I believe that when I look inward, there's less regret that takes place when that happens. And, um, but then the outward look as well, you know, there's, there's, there's weighing things I should say this or I should say that and scheming about what I should be saying. And that's just not, that's an example I think of looking outward, but looking inward be, would be just responding to what's in front in the moment. Yeah. I think that's, and that's a wonderful way to live life, a much better way to live life. It is and guaranteed when we leave here, there's, you'll still have that sensation of being off balance, or I don't mean just you, Harley, all of us. It's the, the cool thing about the practice is an invitation to really get much more interested in seeing than in looking good, even in your own eyes. When you're really interested in how you are, then even your resistance becomes incredibly interesting. And whenever we show up for the brother, I don't know how it is for the other people and I'd love to hear, we always show up for the present moment unprepared. You know, it kind of catches you like your house is on fire and you have to run out, you dressed or not. You know, it catches you and, and you're feeling kind of awkward and unbalanced and here I am. And it's, it's really 
wonderful to begin to see that it's not about being in balance, but about seeing the imbalance, the awkwardness, the part of you that wants to cover up or hide or control or cling. Tracy, do you find over time as your practice, well, you've been doing it for so long, but I find that it's, I almost have two states now. The state where I can be with myself and see my thoughts and the state where I'm just living them and managing them. And I find that when I'm seeing my thoughts in that more relaxed state, I'm actually uh, much more effective. But I quickly lose it. And then I can find it again through my meditation. But is there a point where the it stays with you that more of your mind is overtaken by the presence or does it just fluctuate in your experience? Well, it, it does always fluctuate in my experience. The aim of practice, and this is perfect for pandemic, the aim, Claudia, is continuous awareness. That is the aim. And there's a reason why um, here it comes, the chestnut or the, the thing I always repeat, the, when a Zen master was asked what's enlightenment, he said small moments, short moments, many times. So that, that if you give yourself an invitation to see that this practice isn't so much about having just practice on the cushion, but to see yourself continuously during the day, then you begin to see, it's almost like you begin to invite these tiny moments where you see yourself, as you say, just managing or in a state of being very caught up, very contracted, very identified with a role or a pattern or a, a thought. And do you see what I mean? So you begin to, it's almost like cultivating a taste for, oh, this is interesting. Here I am, I'm triggered. I'm, this is what it feels like to be in a state of fear. It, so I guess I'm saying, yes, it always fluctuates and you can begin to cultivate a practice where even the fluctuation can sometimes be seen. Does that make sense? That you stop, you see that, oh, I used to really favor 
and prefer moments when I was very relaxed and very concentrated. But now I see that seeing can happen in any condition. I can be enraged. And just for a moment, I could feel how that feels in the body. And I, I slowly stop liking some states and disliking other states and begin to see that seeing can happen in all kinds of states. And that's my interest, if that helps. It does. I find that my typical ways of dealing with states, which is to escape into something, you know, to, to relax, that I, I, at those times, my practice doesn't extend to those ways of coping and the, the practice feels like work at those times. And I would really like it not to feel that, that I would have to work at it uh, and it, it would be great someday not to prefer to relax and escape into something, but just be with it. But on the one hand, when I hear you talk, it feels so comforting, like a way of really being with myself with total acceptance. But somehow in the moment of let's say a very long or overwhelming day when I choose to escape and I lose my presence, the practice feels like work. And I don't understand why there's such a divide between how I feel when I'm with you with regard to the practice and what I imagine it would be. And then actually being in real life and going into patterns of coping that are ultimately not that comforting. Yeah, well, I can just encourage you to see, to um, see that that's really interesting, to just notice the difference in different conditions, not just between being here and being on your own, but to give yourself permission to see how you're, you're kind of favoring one state over another. And to notice that, no, it's not supposed to be effortful, it, but to be a willingness to be seen. And not so much an effort in the way we typically think of an effort as a kind of ra radical acceptance. It's like this right now. I wish to see myself as I am. And that this is the practice. And we begin to connect slowly with how much bigger and more varied we are than we typically think. And that there's a, a, a spaciousness that's always available. Mm. 
So keep coming. When you can, it's like time to stop. It's time to stop for tonight to be continued. I hope you come back, all of you. And we end our practice by dedicating the merits. Um, so we put two hands together in our heart space if we wish. And just notice the practice we've engaged in with our friends, noble friends. And we don't keep it for ourselves alone. But we let it go out freely, let it radiate in all directions. Dedicating our practice to the happiness, the ease, the safety, and the freedom of all beings everywhere in all worlds. May all beings everywhere be safe and protected from harm and danger. May they have ease of well-being, no matter what they're facing and dealing with. And may they know that they belong to life. May they know they're acceptable. And may they find themselves completely free. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friends. I'm, it's good to see you. Keep practicing.